Hello and welcome to University Challenged with me, your host, Tony Kent. The question for this episode is, how does it feel when you've won a place at uni, but you're intimidated by the social and cultural capital that surrounds you for the first time? And what does it take to convince top city law firms to work with the City of London Law Society to recruit more solicitor apprenticeships into the City of London? Joe Hughes is the founder of Joanna Hughes Solicitor Apprenticeships, an organisation that helps law firms and in-house legal counsel to set up solicitor apprenticeship programmes that attract and retain aspiring young legal professionals from outside of the traditional university graduate route. In our conversation, we discuss how it feels when your background does not match that of most of your university peers, why solicitor apprenticeships are vital in expanding access to top legal careers, how solicitor apprenticeships benefit individuals and law firms alike, and what results are already being seen. Hi, Joe. Hello. Welcome <laughs> to University Challenged. I'm very excited to meet you. I'm quite a fan of yours, you know. <laughs> oh, likewise. Like, we just have a love-in. Look, um, I even brought a prop. Your book, you? that I, oh. <laughs> your book, Reasons oh. to be Cheerful, Part 1. As you oh. know, I took it to California with me. See, now I am properly, like touched thank you see how I warm you up <laughs> it's been more places than I have I tell you um so as people might be able to judge we have well we've never met in person no. we met via LinkedIn yes know a bit about each other but for the listeners today and the listeners to come could you please introduce yourself and what it is that you do today Yes. Um, so I'm Joanna Hughes, or Jo, um, and I'm the founder and director of Joanna Hughes Solicitor Apprenticeships, through which I act as an advocate for the solicitor apprenticeship route into the legal profession, um, and especially into private practice and in-house City of London roles. Um, at the moment, about 95% of my time is um, consumed in a good way with the uh, City of London Law Society City Century Collaboration. But we come on to that later, maybe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And um, well, I mean, I'm I'm excited because this is the very first time we've talked about solicitor apprenticeships Ooh. on the podcast. Mm -hmm. But before we get on to those apprentices, tell me about your memories of secondary school. Ah. Okay. So. Um, you know, accent bias is a funny thing. You listen to me now, people think mm, she might be like a posh person. I'm not, um, and I wasn't. Um, and I went to a comprehensive school in Ipswich, which I actually <laughs> I Googled last night. It's the only bit of prep I've done for today. I Googled it, and in Wikipedia's tactful phrasing, um, Westbourne Comprehensive has been known by many names before it was closed down, which is actually really sad. So yeah. it was converted into a sports college. Um, and then most recently, the sixth form element was closed completely. Um, and the rest of the school, luckily, has been academised. Um, mm. Yeah, like lots of comprehensive schools. Um, it wasn't it wasn't easy. I had to teach myself my A-levels. Um, luckily, there was a dude who was taking exactly the same A-levels as me. Um, he was super bright um, and he went on to be a very successful journalist, actually. So we sort of clung to each other, um, definitely just metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if his wife's listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? 
subjects did you study uh, before we get to A-levels? What did you do at GCSE? Um, and what was it? So did you enjoy school? I guess it is a question as well. Well, I think, you know, I was what they called then a SWAT and a nerd. I was picked mm-hmm. on a bit, um, yeah. which I wouldn't say it's put it as high as bullied, but I was no. a bit different because I've always spoken a bit like this, weirdly, even though the rest mm-hmm. of my family don't. So I cook a real, I'm a real cuckoo in the nest. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I was picked on a bit, but I just kind of kept my head down and just worked because I think I was I was just keen to escape what was around me um yeah yeah so GCSEs God, I can hardly even remember um you know there's not much choice at your average comprehensive so I just did mm. what I was told to do and um I feel really passionately one of my many passions about careers education mm. in state schools because I cho- <laughs> I chose you know I didn't have um I didn't have any network to advise me um so I yeah. wasn't just the you know um school or parents or friends no one could really tell me what um a levels I should do to be a solicitor which I kind of knew I wanted to be then so I did hilariously um French that's okay sociology sort of okay and drama studies yeah (laughs) not accepted by all universities um yeah so luckily somebody said to me joe you've got to switch out of that and so i did english instead um but you know it's that's why we need careers education super early on um because whichever route you're going to do um traditional university or other ways of attending university through apprenticeships um you need good advice early on sorry i'll get down off my soapbox no um i'm interested though in uh, something that you had to say there about there is that sort of lack of advice, lack of people that have gone before. But mm. It was very similar for me. How did you know what a solicitor was and that you wanted to be one? Mm. So I had absolutely no idea what they did. Mm. Um, I'd always been called a chatterbox or mouthy. <laughs> Yeah. Or similar versions of that. And I suppose I just seen something on TV and thought, oh, I'm quite good at arguing. I'll be a solicitor. I had no idea what it was. Oh, that's really interesting. Because one of my nicknames at school was Mouth of the South. Maybe <laughs> I went we were born to be friends, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so you've, you've done your, you've chosen your A-levels, chosen the correct ones. And we'll come on to this too. So you did go on to university. Um, however what you do today helps people Mm -hmm. who cannot or don't want to go correct Um, what was your experience of of uni life what was it like well in the early days it was slightly terrifying because I was surrounded by people with huge amounts of social and cultural capital Mm. (laughs) I just didn't really know what I was doing my nickname I think was tractor girl because I'm from Suffolk actually I didn't mention that I'm from Ipswich originally which is like a real area of deprivation sadly so I had yeah I just everyone knew I was from Suffolk and but I have got really 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 good friends now so don't 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 feel too sorry for me Tony I'm okay (laughs) (laughs) it's I mean I'm intrigued by that though because something that I hear a lot about and and having not gone to university um I've experienced feeling out of my depth or different in the corporate 
environment. Mm. Um, but I sort of follow what the 93% club do and what they advocate yeah. for. So Brilliant, I'm interested Sophie. to understand. Yeah. Is, is that um, a typical kind of experience? As you say, if you went to a normal comp, um, it, it, you know, let's say back in the day before all of us were supposed to be going to uni, you know, was it quite a, a, a cultural Yes, if I would say I would say it is actually. Um, and so with my background, um, I probably wouldn't have gone if gone to university if I back in the day, we got full grants if we were from yeah. low income. So there was no student loan. There was obviously mum and dad couldn't pay. Um, and so, yeah, I actually it should make it less rare that there were people from low-income backgrounds yeah. there but it yeah I know um but that stopped quite soon didn't it and if and those loans and you know I'm actually good friends with Sophie Pender now that the, the founder mm. of um, the 93% club and she's like a good 20 years younger than me and and it's still a thing so yeah I think yeah. it is but I'm still hopeful that times will change or that people just don't need to go to university because there are better ways to do things yeah yeah, See and how I keep trying to segue, Tony, but I'm going we'll to get, stay we'll with get your there. plan. <laughs> you keep saying things that are interesting to me um, <laughs> and to the listeners, I'm sure. It, could you offer uh, an example? And again, I think it is that when you are used to your experiences, like I went through corporate life, I had all these experiences and I thought, oh, that's just, you know, how it was for me. And then you realise actually lots of people have experienced situations where they felt they didn't have the right tone of voice or they didn't use the right words or they hadn't seen the right plays or they didn't like the right music um what's how might that manifest itself in a university environment yeah well I think something that always sticks with me was when um so even at university actually I was still kind of quite nerdy and I was still winning prizes for coming top and all that kind of thing and I won a prize <laughs> I won a prize I mean it's sorry sorry to any law firms listening it's not the best law prize it was a prize to go and work in a law firm work experience in Brussels um, but you know it's hard to get work experience so it was an okay prize but I'd never been on a plane before because my family didn't go on holidays at use planes so yeah. as a what a 22 year old woman I, I'd never been on a plane before and I, I just mentioned this and like you know hoots of laughter what the flip you've never been wow. on a plane and I just felt really stupid yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's well it illustrates it perfectly well and um so good that you had did you continue to study French at uni was it a, yeah a I law did law and languages? French law law and French oh. law and it was actually a very very special bringing together of some very strong women about 27 women and three men from memory um oh. and it's that kind of bond that I'm keen to make sure I replicate through the work I do now because I I mean crikey we we speak to each other see each other several times a week yeah yeah wow that's fascinating that it was so heavily biased mm. towards or populated by women was it yeah was it the language part I think it must be the language part yeah all right yeah interesting wow. okay so we will segue now um <laughs> given that you did not go to that you did go to you did go to uni um and 
actually, I guess this will bring in some of your career story as well. Mm. So what was it that prompted you to set up your solicitor apprenticeship practice? So at the time, I had been um, practicing solicitor for about 25 years in a a big international law firm. because of my lived experience of social mobility, I've been doing lots of social mobility type work for that law firm. Um, you know, I was, yeah, all sorts of things. And something that just really struck me on our social mobility working group was a comment I heard Sarah Atkinson of the Social Mobility Foundation say, which is, Lots of law firms do really fantastic outreach work yeah. into schools, but does that actually translate into real jobs at your law mm. firm? And it did in an ad hoc way and in small numbers, but I just felt a little bit uncomfortable. So um, I suggested that perhaps um, this law firm might like to introduce the solicitor apprenticeship route to qualification. And fortuitously, the graduate recruitment partner, as he was ne- known then, but is now, of course, early careers partner, yeah. um, was a friend and he'd had the same idea. And so, and, mm-hmm. and it was a meeting of minds. So I asked for a secondment for a whole year into his team and we worked wow. together to launch it. And it was kind of a thing in in sort of the legal sector because... I personally don't like the terminology, but it was the first magic circle law firm to launch solicitor apprenticeships. And it got a lot of attention in the press, a lot of attention from clients. Yeah. And also, while I was doing that, I was working on the um, government commissioned City of London, um, sorry, City of London Corporation, uh, socio-economic diversity task force. And while that was concentrating on um, progression of talent at a senior level, just like I'm doing in this podcast, I kept shoehorning the conversation back to apprenticeships and, um, and persuaded them to put an appendix in the recommendations report, which I'm really proud about, actually. Mm. And it was all about working together and progress together. And I just thought, I think maybe I should leave this law firm that I've loved for 25 years and go and help spread the word. So with their blessing, that's what I'm now doing. Although ironically, they're now one of the five spearhead firms that I'm working with. So I'm kind of there again all the time anyway, (laughs) working Uh, with that graduate (laughs) recruitment partner. (laughs) And um, I guess having been a practicing solicitor, for a couple of decades, for a quarter of a century. Yeah, thanks, um, Yeah, just, you know. Well, I think I think it's really interesting because um, people might see, like, they'll see what you do today and they'll see, like, the passion you have for it and they might, like, go, well, how, how is she so connected? How is How are all these things happening? How does she know these things? And And I think... I'd love to know a little bit about, you know, what was that experience like actually working within a practice, working at that level for so long and then starting kind of afresh? Yeah, it's a really good question. So lots of people do say this to me just kind of as a a general point how do you know so many people how have you got so many interesting friends and it always comes down to the same thing just be kind to people and Mm. and good things happen so I think 
all the way up. I've just been kind and normal. And actually, my working class background really helps with that. Mm. I think it helps us to, to relate to everybody um, and treat mm. everyone with kindness and respect. So anyway, that's just a little general point. But when I, yeah, of course, when I joined the city law firm when I was young, even though I'd been to university, I still didn't really get it um mm. and my friends and again they're, they're all very very good friends close friends so the trainee solicitors that I started with on my first day 27th of February 1960 sorry not 1966 <laughs> wow <laughs> what <laughs> 1996 um mm. I, I had this it's so sweet I had like this little um velvet Alice band because I thought that's what posh girls did which they all found mm. like looking back hilarious because I'm just not the kind of person that wears an Alice band the velvet Alice band no yeah. it's not really me um but that's why you know I all this kind of like trying to fit in and yeah you know and as the bridge group's done studies on you know that trying to assimilate the dominant culture is exhausting actually um and you know I have the privilege of being white so it's less exhausting for me than other categories of people um covered by studies by the bridge group and and books um I'm sure you're familiar with Louise Ashley's book highly discriminating you know that's another Mm. book that looks about how exhausting it is to assimilate to a dominant culture so yeah it's not easy but what I will say is all city law firms are really 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 trying to make things better they are yeah and how um how do you so you said you worked on the you were seconded for a year you sort of worked on the program you helped to make changes to the city of london law society oh no the the task force the task force he's done all of that work um how did you kind of well, maybe I'll ask a question that's perhaps more geared towards helping, actually helping people who are looking to follow a career in the sector. Yeah. Um, how do you find the young people that are in like those cold spots, for example, mm-hmm. that firms wouldn't traditionally hire from or young people who wouldn't traditionally be exposed to this as a career option? How do you reach them? How does the program make these things happen? So... That is a huge question and the key question. Mm. So um, personally, I will have my own ways to do it, but I always recommend working with professional outreach organisations and turning to what's taking up 95% of my time at the moment. The work we're doing is the City of London Law Society collaboration, and that's 50 city law firms all working together. Mm -hmm. Um, We have nine work streams, and one of them is outreach into schools. And and I asked to lead that one myself because I I feel so strongly about it. And so what do we do? We're doing three different prongs of work. One, I sent out an RFP exercise to all the professional outreach organisations. And when I say professional, they can be charities, not-for-profits, or in a couple of cases, companies. Mm -hmm. And their whole business um, or venture is to identify state schools and identify high achieving young people from low socioeconomic backgrounds. And they all measure on slightly different measures, yeah. but mostly under the Sociability Commission recommended four measures. And then they will use motivational statements, predicted A-level grades, and yeah. sort of funnel that talent towards all the different um, law firm opportunities. 
So, yes, I now have a document produced, which is actually going under document production right now, I'm pleased to say. Um, So that's going to be sent to all the 50 law firms because actually it's not easy to find this information. I mean, the poor year 13s, I mean, it's much harder for them, but even for the law firms, that's what we're trying to do, consolidate everything together. So that's step one. Mm. But step two, before you do that deep dive into schools, bearing in mind schools, particularly state schools, are very time and resource pressed yeah we need to access the year 12s and year 13s and indeed younger where they are so that is quite obviously on tiktok and instagram and um all those channels so we have engaged somebody um a couple of organizations to help us do that like in a really gen z appropriate way not old people like me pretending i know what i do and what i'm doing and then um last of all we'll do hopefully a a big in-person event so that's what's keeping me busy at the moment actually it's all about outreach because you know you would have seen articles like that city am article this week that said degree apprenticeships tend to be monopolized by the middle classes and yeah i'm all about keeping those sharp middle class elbows off my solicitor apprenticeship (laughs) spots (laughs) It's, um, but I think it is, uh, it's fascinating, like I am, as you know, you know, I'm sort of fascinated just by this and the, and careers, behaviours, because I, I, like you, you know, I've, I've grown up without access to opportunity, found my way, and, but for me personally, as a parent, I mm. am in a position where I am mm. well connected, mm. I I'm very aware of what the, the opportunities are, but then our secondary school sent an email to parents about work experience and said it always works better if it's through a family friend. Oh my goodness! And, and it's and I've used this as an exercise to speak to my children and say, "Let me tell you that I know people that are doctors of science. I don't know medical doctors, but I've got a list of professions of people that I now count as you know, my, all my friends have all these professions." And yet there will be children who live in the same village as me mm-hmm. who have none of that. Yeah. So it, it is knowing or thinking about how do you, how, how do you reserve? And, and this is how you bypass <laughs> some of that sharp elbowedness by saying, let's meet those young people where they are yeah. versus where their parents are going to go. Oh yeah. I know yeah. someone that works there. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, luckily all the law firms now are so clued up. Um, in terms of their apprenticeship opportunities that no one is going to get a, an apprenticeship opportunity um, via connections of that, I am very certain. But taking it the next level down, are the middle classes without more likely to be more aware of the opportunities? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a real problem, I think. And it's something that the a key problem that this city century collaboration um, that I'm working on with Patrick McCann is is seeking to fix basically because even something as simple as you know there are some very good organizations like um, amazing apprenticeships which I'm sure you're familiar with and um, not going to uni and UCAS itself of course with all the new developments that are coming down the line with you know mm. parity and and opportunities appearing on the same screen side by side but the fact remains at the moment there's no one place where you can go and see all the solicitor apprenticeship opportunities in one place so it can come down to just googling law firm names 
hmm, who knows how to look, Google a law firm name if you don't know what the law firms are, right? Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I discovered a whole raft in intellectual property law. Ooh. Never heard of them, but they're hundreds of years old. Right. <laughs> Fabulous names, haven't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying um, to sort of get around that problem because if you've got loads of social and cultural capital and you've got a mum or a mum's mate and you can say, oh, can you just tell me, like, let me know, like, who are the top 10 biggest firms who who might offer solicitor friendships? And then you Google it and you'll get your way in the end. But that's just not fair. Mm-hmm. And it's also a very, you know, it's not like UCAS where you could just put your information in once and, it, and it, it's going to get better in the future. But at the moment, you have to apply to every single law firm individually. It's very time consuming. Ah. Um and so, yeah, I just, it, it's its a problem we need to get around. So you ask very pertinent questions, Tony. Well, and I'm a very curious person. And, <laughs> and, and, I th- and actually in discussing this with some of my friends, because let's say, and I, and I guess it's about thinking about what the program is tailored to do. So let's say you have um, a young person that has come from a very settled background, you know, financially comfortable, but university isn't for them. Mm-hmm. How do those young people also access? No, they are welcome. Of course, they're welcome because something that I've come to know uh, and understand much better, having made friends with so many wonderful solicitor apprenticeships, is they're very keen for this route mm. into the profession not to be seen as inextricably linked to low socioeconomic background because it's not it's just a way to make sure that anybody can access law right. um, and actually I think it's really healthy that in every intake of solicitor apprenticeships there may be a couple of middle class kids who just want to get on and work faster of course yeah. and who realize it's the best way to get experience um, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that but what there is something wrong with it in my personal view is that all those opportunities are taken by the middle classes yeah. and and you know the, and, and the kind of issues that the, the the Sutton Trust have written about by you know decreasing amount of working class people being able to access these degree apprenticeships that can't be right um, no no and something we spoke about when we were arranging our interview our podcast episode oh interview um, interview <laughs> chat conversation yeah it's a conversation isn't it um is i mean correct me if i've got this wrong but i seem to remember you saying that in outside of the outside of the city of london solicitor apprenticeships have you know do exist in smaller law firms would would that be right it's absolutely right and they were first to do it as well so um, you know, there have been some London law firms that have, have done it from the beginning, um, but there are many more outside London. And so what's really wonderful, again, in the name of collaboration and generosity of spirit is um, they've been very generous in sharing with us that their experience. So there's a Northeast collaboration, for example, uh, and the, the managing partner for that firm has been very generous in saying, oh, this is how I did it. And he's he's lent us even um one of his solicitor apprentices for what we call our solicitor apprentice uh, strategy sounding board or SAS for short. Nice. I know. So we have 20 young people, yeah, solicitor apprentices on that um, from years one to six. um, Mm -hmm. um, 
and they offer us advice because it's really key. You know, their voice has got to be central. So yes, we don't just have London voices um, on our spearhead group. We've got people from outside London as well because we're all learning together. Yeah, and what would so what would a solicitor apprenticeship look like if I was sort of if you were to present it to me as a young person going, I think I want to go into law. Yeah, what sounds like six years. How does it work? It is six years. So what you would do um, uh, in common with other apprenticeships, you have um, 20% off the job. So learning um, and four days in the office working and your off the job learning in the first four years will give you a law degree exactly mm-hmm. the same law well not quite exactly the same law degree as me because I had law with French law but if I didn't have the French bit it would be a standard yeah. properly prestigious um, law degree and then in the mm-hmm. last two years of those six years um, solicitor apprentices take um, the solicitor's qualifying exam or shortened to SQE which now every single route into the profession will do. So people have, will have heard about people talking about the GDL and the LPC for law. They're going out of the window and everybody's doing the SQE. So it's really nice. Everyone will be taking the same professional exams now. Ah, yeah. Right. So it's, a, it's a really big thing. It's another thing hugely in favour of the solicitor apprenticeship route. And from the solicitor apprentice's point of view, other things in favour are obviously no student debt because all the training for those six years is paid by the apprenticeship levy and their salary is paid by the law firms Mm -hmm. so no debt very decent salary Um, and when you qualify you have four years more experience than your traditional um, graduate peers it's a no-brainer well yeah in my humble opinion (laughs) and and what kind of um because you say you you had that specialization of french law as well if if you were doing a solicitor apprenticeship what kind of caseloads or things might you get involved in when you're very early in career like that well um if you speak to the solicitor apprentices that I know, they will say, really, you know, we don't need to be regarded any differently. We're just a bit younger than the standard trainee solicitor. That's yeah. it. So it's not a paralegal role. It's not. It's just a younger version of a trainee solicitor. And, right. and something that surprised me uh, as much of an advocate as I am for this route is um Law firms are all about wanting to impress and please and do a good job for their clients, of course. Yeah. And they send um, traditional trainee solicitors on clients' secondments. And I have learned that um, solicitor apprentices are going on clients' secondments as young as year two. That's that's all that's all the proof you need, right? If they rate wow. these solicitor apprentices enough to send them to their highly valued, highly priced clients, like you know, top banks, etc., top yeah. corporates, they rate yeah. them. They've already proved themselves by year two. It just makes my heart sing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, wow. No pressure. No pressure. But they're um, all so brilliant. There's no pressure. Yeah. They love it. They absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. I, I think it is that um and I'd had uh I did the prime conference oh, yes. yeah their 10th yes, anniversary did, yeah. yeah but I'd shared a personal story in that where um 
one of my brother's partners was became a, a mum very very young very she was 17 or something and I remember her she got really upset and she said she wanted to be, which was a bit of a lawyer. So that was what she said to me. She said, I, I want, wanted to be, and I just want to help people. But there was no way for her to find a route in mm-hmm. and kind of knowing that this program exists. It's sort of, for me, it feels like it's for her, for people yeah. that are like, I, I want to do this, but I, I don't know how. Yeah. And it, it accommodates so many different people. And I, I'd like to come on to like the benefits for the law firms as well as yeah. for the solicitor apprentices. But yeah. for example, care leavers um, who yeah. don't have that that fallback position. So one of our SAS members, um, sorry, solicitor apprentice strategy sounding board members um, is a care leaver. Um, and it's incredible. You know, you're just mm-hmm. totally financially independent, smashing it out of the park. Yeah. Um, and I know amazing apprenticeships do loads of good work supporting um, care leavers and care experienced people into apprenticeships. Mm-hmm. And also something I've learned, again, from one of our SAS members and also from the uh, London Apprenticeship Network, Ambassador Network, is that apprenticeships can be particularly useful for aspiring solicitors um, with Muslim faith uh, for for a number of reasons. Um, For example, not taking on debt, um, not being too far away from home um, in the case of females. And so I just... I just love how inclusive this route is. Um, And of course, that comes on to the advantages for the law firms. So, yeah, it's not just about increasing socioeconomic diversity. It's genuinely about bringing a a true diversity of thought and an innovation of spirit, which can just as much be related to age as any other diverse characteristic. Um, and I've sp- spoken to countless very senior partners who say, oh, my goodness, they're like a breath of fresh air in law firms, mm-hmm. like cutting a bright line through um, traditional talent routes. And just everybody's so full of joy and excitement. It's it's just mm-hmm. such a pleasure to be in this world. Awesome. So how can how can people get involved? Joe, tell us. How? How can people get involved? Well, they can follow for a start the uh, City of London Law Society Training Committee LinkedIn account um, because most of the good work we are doing is under the auspices of the City of London Law Society and in particular the Training Committee um, subcommittee of that uh, and that's chaired as I've mentioned his name before by Patrick McCann and I'm a member of that committee so um, you can stay up to date until we do our formal launch in June. Mm. So look out in uh, the legal press in June. Hopefully the broadsheets, who knows, Tony, sky's the limit. Got to wow. aim high. Yes. <laughs> so yes, yeah. follow that LinkedIn account, follow Instagram accounts. You could follow JH Lister Apprenticeships, which is my professional account. And for young people, um, aspiring solicitor apprentices who might be listening, um, I only advise law firms. You know, I don't pretend to be the best person to advise aspiring solicitor apprentices, but there are some amazing Instagram accounts out there. Um, for example, by two young women who I'm, I'm very good friends with now. So Holly Moore, who was the very first um, in-house solicitor apprentice to qualify. And of course, she 
the fact that she has qualified, she's been through the whole six years, she can yeah. offer advice on everything. And her Instagram account is um, at that law blog. And the other person is Mayor Crawford. Offered, who I'm actually speaking with um, tomorrow at the uh, Legal Cheek um, Legal Ed Con conference. Yeah. Um, and her handle, I think, one says on Instagram is at my legal career. So they're two really useful Instagram accounts really to follow. And I just want to say, actually, this time last year, Maya spoke on a panel about solicitor apprenticeships at the, the Legal Ed Con. Um, and she's speaking again this year. But as well in one year the subject of solicitor apprenticeships has been promoted to the keynote of the entire full day conference awesome how cool is that that is that i need is to awesome. write the speech after i finish speaking to- <laughs> 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 it's, it's fine i've still got 24 hours it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll, it'll be, be fine. fine well i don't know if this is food for your speech or you're planning or not. Tell me. Um, I would like to ask you, based on the fact that you have children, because I know mm-hmm. you have children, um, how has your experiences and what you do today, how does that influence the way in which you talk to your children about what comes next for them, the routes that they might like to take? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I am extremely lucky in that none of my four sons want to be a lawyer. <laughs> so <laughs> mum's a lawyer, dad's a lawyer. Well, not I'm not okay. a practicing lawyer anymore. They don't want to be. And because actually I might be a bit conflicted, you know, in all seriousness about yeah. advising on the solicitor apprenticeship route, given what I've said about sharp middle class elbows. Um, yeah. Also yeah. recognising that it's fine to have a mix of, of different yeah. socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah. Um, but what is really nice is, and the first one has already left home, but my son who's in year 12, we do talk a lot about apprenticeships and probably a little bit like you, Tony, I'm always on the back of the school saying, are you covering degree apprenticeships yeah. in your careers day? Can I come and just talk yeah. about apprenticeships yeah. and, and have you invited all the local schools so that everyone can benefit from this? Because I think we might share this pet hate about when schools talk about the academic results for the year and they say, oh, and this number of children are going to Oxford or Cambridge and this number of children are going to... What are you saying about all the amazing apprenticeship, whether they're degree apprenticeship or not, positions that... They are, I keep hearing a stat that it's harder to get a solicitor apprenticeship now than it is to get into Oxbridge. These schools should be celebrating that. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. A friend of mine said she thinks, I think schools are measured on added value. And I had sent an email saying, I want to know what value you add to every pupil. Yeah. Whatever they need, however they need to get there. Yeah. Because we do. It is that thing of, we, (laughs) I don't, I'm happy for the, I'm happy for all the children (laughs) that, that, that get to do what it is they want to do. But we don't need to be told which children have gone to Oxbridge unless it's sort of our kids and we really, and that's, yeah. do you know what I yeah. mean? It is, it, exactly, it who cares? feels peculiar. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's what I just should have said in the first place. I, I, was, I don't care. I actually <laughs> don't care. It means nothing to me because that is not what my children aspire to, no. want to do, doesn't no. suit them. So why is the school saying that we should all go, oh, well done oh, yay. well done to the school yeah um <laughs> exactly. but that would make me very bitter and i don't know 
cynical or something. Or I, I, but no, it's, it's all about you. celebrating all, celebrating yeah. all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's, and we know, you know, there there will be like the kids that set up their own businesses, the, yes. the that, their own charities. Yeah. yeah, my, my oh. mentee set up a charity. I mean, amazing. Yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just and and we, we all measure success in different ways. I think. Yeah, so, that's very yeah, true. It is. It is. <laughs> just you know, I'm just reining myself in a little bit, remembering getting that email and going. Oh. Um, <laughs> right. Any parting words of wisdom, or, or what? Actually, here's a question for I'm you. I'm glad you changed that because I don't have any parting words of wisdom. No words of wisdom. You can need that for the end of your speech. Um, yeah, keep that one on my sleeve. Yeah. Uh, the question that I had for you was, you have started your own business, haven't you? Yes, I don't yes. view it as a business, but it is a business at the end it of is. the day. Yeah. You started up on your, you started on your own. Um, what, and, and you did a kind of a, a switch after mm. having, you know, your kind of successful career part one and you're doing a, a new thing what advice would you have for people that are maybe looking to make a change might feel a little bit afraid to do so take the leap you won't regret it yes equally checking my privilege that after 25 years of working, I have some financial stability to be able to take that leap. Yeah. 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 And also do what you care about because every morning I wake up so excited Mm. and surround yourself with people with the same values as you as well. So important. Not always easy, but really important. It's not always easy. <laughs> I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky in that I'm working all day every day with this amazing person who I've mentioned a few times called um Patrick McCann. And we're we've we're very different in lots of ways, but our values are so aligned. Mm. Um and it's it's brought real joy into my professional life working with him. I'm very lucky. Awesome. I'm also looking at my phone LinkedIn now. Um oh he so... loves a bit of LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> Um, and I'll even ask him to connect so it doesn't just say Tony Ken look to your profile. Um, yeah, you can say, uh, oh, I'm the reason that we had to pause recording your webinar with Joe because we're gonna start we're gonna start part two in 10 minutes now. I said, no, way. Tony is Tony is non-cancellable. Sorry. No. Oh <laughs> right. Well, in which case I'll let you go and get ready for that. Joe, it's been such pleasure. Thank oh, you for your time. Ditto, ditto. It was a real honor to chat. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the University Challenge. Now, did you know that we have got a playlist? Yes, we've got anthems where everyone who's going to get from the University Challenge put forward a song that they think epitomizes their attitude to life. So head to the YouTube channel, which is at University Challenge, and check out the playlist there. You can also find more on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Simply put in University Challenge. And if it doesn't come up, I need to work on my SEO. Thank you.